I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 306 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, we are heading back to the gridiron today with an awesome guest. Ryan Clark is a former NFL safety and a Super Bowl champion. He was a part of the Pittsburgh Steelers team, which defeated the Arizona Cardinals in Super Bowl 43. He is currently working as an analyst for ESPN. Ryan absolutely crushed his opponents on the field, and he is the hardest-hitting safety I've had on the podcast here since Ronnie Lott joined me back on episode 259. If you missed out on my episode with Ronnie, please flip it back and take a listen. My interview with Ryan Clark was recorded on video and is available to watch on my YouTube channel, First Class Fatherhood. The link for that is in the description of today's podcast episode. Ryan Clark will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. Friday on the podcast, fight promoter Dean Tool will be stopping by. He is the founder and CEO of Island Fights. And next week, I will be dropping four new episodes on you, including a fresh Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood. Find out which Navy SEAL will be joining me, as well as the rest of my guests, by following me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace. And next week, I will be speaking at the Dad 2.0 Summit down in Washington, D.C. I will be joined here on the podcast by blogger and founder of the Dad 2.0 Summit, Doug French. I'm really looking forward to attending the event next week, which will be filled with fatherhood content influencers. More on that to come next week. And if you guys could do me a favor here, and please hit me with a rating or a review on iTunes or wherever you enjoy listening to First Class Fatherhood. It really goes a long way to help me out. And as always, please help me spread the word about this podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life fatherhood rocks family values rule and every day is father's day right here with me and i'll be right back with super bowl champion ryan clark i'm alec lace and you're listening to first class fatherhood What's doing, guys? I am humbled and honored to announce that First Class Fatherhood is the winner of the Linda and Richard Iyer Family Is People's Choice Award for podcasting. I cannot say thank you enough to all of you listeners out there who voted. I was nominated alongside some just powerhouse podcasters, including former guest of First Class Fatherhood, Dave Hollis, who alongside of his wife, Rachel Hollis, was nominated for their podcast, Rise Together. Also nominated was Janet Lansbury, Debbie Reber, Jody Moore, Dr. Justin Carlson, Dr. Meg Meeker, Jessica Dahlquist, Heidi and Dave Kozlowski, and Rachel Nielsen. It is inspiring to see the interest in family-centered podcasting, and I'm just proud to be a part of it. I truly think that if we can get back to focusing on our family values, strengthening our family units, and reduce the number of kids growing up without a dad in their life, the majority of the problems that we're seeing in our country would start to dissolve rapidly. I'm Alec Lace. Thanks again for voting for First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Ryan Clark. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Oh, man, thanks a lot for having me, man. We've been trying to make sure we can work and get it done, so I'm glad we finally got to do it. Yeah, I am too. Let's start right here. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? I got three kids, man. I have old babies, uh, 21. Uh, she's a junior at LSU, 18. He's a freshman at Arizona State University, plays football. And I also have a freshman in high school. Her name is Logan. So I have a Jaden, a Jordan, and a Logan. Wow, very cool. What type of sports or activities did they all play growing up? Uh, they played everything. I tried to put them in everything that they could possibly get in. Uh, my oldest, my daughter, she actually played soccer in high school, also ran track. She finished 
Uh, I think second in the long jump as a junior. She won the triple as a senior in the state of Louisiana. My son played basketball, football, baseball, soccer growing up. Ended up playing football in high school. Plays for Herm Edwards now at Arizona State. And now my youngest is a volleyball player. We tried to put her in soccer, but when she was about six, she asked her mom, hey, mom, I don't use my hands anyway. Is it possible for me to hold the umbrella while I play soccer so I can be covered from the, from the sun? And so we knew then she wasn't going to really be an outdoors uh, type girl. And so now she plays volleyball in high school. And so we've all been pretty active. And I think sports has taught you know a lot of them some things that you learn through those activities that I don't think you necessarily get if you're not a part of athletics. Yeah, very well said. I agree with you there. And did you ever get an opportunity to coach any of your kids playing or did you always enjoy that? Well, I, I coached when they were very little, you know, back when coaches could volunteer. You didn't necessarily have to, you know, be someone involved with the organization. But as they got older, I tried to kind of take a step back because I do realize because of my job and because of who I am, sometimes that can cast a large shadow. And I didn't want people to feel like I was always, you know, either looking over coaches or I wanted it to be my way. And I think it's good that you let your kids be told things by other authority figures, you know, other adults. And they learn how to handle those things, how to have those conversations, how to build those relationships. Because I knew one day, no matter what job they'd have, it probably wouldn't be with me as their boss. They'd have to learn how to take direction from someone, someone else. And I think those opportunities and those interactions allow you to learn these things. Yeah, good stuff. Ryan, if you could just take a minute, please, here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Oh, well, for me now, you know, I'm an ESPN um, TV analyst for the NFL. Uh, played football for 13 years in the NFL. I played with the Washington Redskins, New York Giants, eight years with the Pittsburgh Steelers, won a Super Bowl there. I mean, just played with some great people. And I think Growing up the way I did in Louisiana, football being such a huge part of my life, playing for LSU, playing other guys like Nick Saban and then getting the league, having the Joe Gibbs and the Bill Cowers and the Mike Tomlins, all of these not only great coaches, but great men, men who've been very successful in life. I think those things really helped me become who I am today. And, you know, I use little bits and pieces from everything I've learned on every level from each and every guy. Yeah, that's awesome, Ryan. Uh, about how old were you when you first became a father and how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Man, you know, uh, it's crazy. I was 19. I was 19 years old. Uh, Jaden's mother was someone I grew up with. Uh, you know, once we found out Jaden was on the way, it was a shock. Like, I can be honest. Um, I tell people now it worked out really well. Uh, I married a great woman. Uh, we had a great family. We were able to raise our kids, you know, in the church and raise them the way we felt was best and did our best. But the start was difficult. I had great parents who who told me, you know, you're going to hit your books. You're going to stay in school. We're going to help you, but we're going to make sure that you are involved in your daughter's life. We're going to make sure that she understands who her father's father is and that you develop a relationship, not of a friend, not of a brother, not of someone she just knows, but as her father, you know, so there were some nights you know, I'd come home from school or after games and she wouldn't sleep. And my mom would tell me, I'm not helping you. You know, this is your child. This is a child that you made and you need to learn um, how to take care of her. And I think that I think that those, you know, moments and opportunities really developed a bond between me and my oldest daughter. That's amazing. Um, then I had my son when I was 21 uh, with my wife. Um, and, you know, ever since then, it's just been me and her. And you know how parenting goes, man. It's not a science. 
you know what I mean? And so at a young age, us being so young and having this family, there were some times we disagreed, you know, and there were some discussions that happened behind closed doors that weren't around our children that were heated because she was raised one way by her parents. I was raised a different way. She had a certain idea of how things were supposed to go. I had my own ideas. And so that was really the, the discussions that I think were tough to have. Sometimes people left the room crying. Sometimes you didn't necessarily understand the other one or agree. But when you left the room, you knew you had to be united. And I think that was what I learned being very young. That helps us a lot now that our kids are of age and we can have conversations with them. Yeah, very well said, Ryan. And I, I, you alluded to a little bit of it there because I like to always ask about discipline. Uh, I know you were, uh, you know, you punished people on the field on the defensive <laughs> side of the ball. But when right. it came to disciplining your kids, what type of discipline were you as a dad? And was it different from the discipline you grew up with? Um, it was a little bit different. I think my, my mom was the huge disciplinarian in my house. My dad was kind of laid back. And so my mom was a big talker. You know, she wanted to have conversations. And my wife didn't really come from a conversational background as it is for discipline. And, discipline. and also I was gone a lot with work. And so I wouldn't want to come home and just be and just fuss or punish. I always wanted to have a reason or understand my kids' reasoning. Now, wrong is wrong. You know, if you're doing something at school that's against the rules, if you've broken a rule in some sort of way, that's something we need to talk about and we need to figure that out. But, you know, kids fight and kids do different things. And I always wanted to know the reason, because even though things need to be disciplined, there's also lessons that can be taught. And so, you know, there there were punishments and there were extra chores given out. And there was like I was a big exercise punisher. So it was a lot of, you know. We did bear crawls and, you know, we did different type of duck walks because I was like, all right, at least we could get in shape while we do our punishment. Um, but I always wanted to understand why did you do a certain thing? If my child said something or spoke out of turn or were disrespectful, OK, tell me what made you think that was OK to do? What triggered this reaction? Because now if I know those things, I've won, learned something else about you, which I think is always important. You feel that you can talk to me. But now I don't have to necessarily just discipline the action. I can discipline the journey it took to get there. I can talk to you about what steps could have been different. Or sometimes I can honestly say, oh, I get that. You know, like I understand that you get in a fight on the playground. All right. Why did you fight? Well, daddy, you know, I went up for the layup. The guy pushed me. I told him something about it and he punched me. That's a good reason to fight to me. Right. You have to defend yourself. And so everything wasn't always about you're wrong, I'm right, let's be disciplined. Let's get to the root of the decision-making so now we can make better decisions in the future. Yeah, yeah, very cool, Ryan. And One thing I like to ask all the, the pro football players I get on the podcast here, uh, I know you have a son currently playing at Arizona State. Uh, one of the big, tough decisions for a lot of dads out here, especially since all this stuff that came out, the, the reports about the concussion stuff, yep. it makes the decision for parents to decide to let their kids play tackle football that much more difficult. Absolutely. How do, you, how do you feel about young kids playing contact football? What's a good age for them to start? You know, I started at four, so I don't <laughs> You know, I only know my experiences. And obviously, I was a guy who was uh, a vice president of the NFLPA. I was on the executive board. So I kind of I was around when the CTE news hit and we started to be more aware of what's going on. I let my son decide himself. I, I didn't push him toward football. Uh, there were years he was like, Dad, I don't want to play tackle. I want to play flag. Makes perfect sense to me. That's fine. You know, you didn't have to be a football player. 
Um, he came to me in the eighth grade. He's like, I believe I want to play football in high school, Dad. I would love to be a college athlete, a college football player. I said, okay, I can help you do that, and we're going to try to do our best to, one, keep you healthy, two, let you understand which ways are the best ways to play football, and three, help you excel to the highest of your ability. And that's the way we set about about doing it. Um, I think he understands the risk. My wife understands the risk, which I think is more important than anything because I want her to be comfortable with what our son is doing. But more so, it's his decision. And I was going to support him in whatever that decision was. He decided to play. So my thought was, let's be the best player possible and the safest player possible. So I've really done my best to teach how to him, Tim, how to get his head out of the game, how to make great form tackles, but in doing that, be a physical football player as well. Yeah, and I think that the teaching of that, the technique, it goes a long way. But I think also the, the fact that flag football is so uh, easily accessible now. So many kids are playing flag because yeah. back in the day, we didn't really have that. And if you had kids yeah. that were like uh, savages that really knew how to play the game and were right. trying hard playing against kids that were like, well, I'm not sure, it made right. for some, some ugly moments. So I think uh -huh. it's great that they have the opportunity now uh, with the flag football. Yeah. Uh, and obviously you have the sickle cell trait. Was that, is, that, is that something that – um? that any of your kids ended up having. Is that my, something yeah, that's my hereditary? Youngest. Dads, are you tired of taking supplements that never deliver? Well, Redcon One was created to ensure that you get real hardcore products that deliver real results. Trusted by four-time world's strongest man, Brian Shaw, and founded by supplement entrepreneur, Aaron Singerman, Redcon One is crushing the industry. You have to try their MRE bars, which are packed full of nutritious food sources that will replenish your system when you need it most. And they taste so good, your toddler will think they're eating a candy bar. But we're talking whole food meal replacement. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can save 20% on their entire order from Redcon 1. Simply use the promo code FATHER at the checkout. So let's go, dads. For the highest state of readiness, choose Redcon 1. Visit Redcon1.com, use the promo code FATHER, and save 20%. Uh, and obviously, you have the sickle cell trait. Was that, is, that, is that something that um that any of your kids ended up having? Is that my, something yeah, that's my hereditary? Youngest, yeah, my youngest kid has it. Uh, my oldest two do not. Uh, thank God. And so, because of some of the things I've gone through, we're a much more aware family. Uh, we have a lot more information. Obviously, I've done a lot of community work and fundraising for the sickle cell community. And raising awareness, which has also made me smarter. It's given me more education on it. And so I think that we knew to check on our kids. We know to tell our youngest, who is our daughter, hey, listen, when you do get of age to be in a relationship, here's a question you have to ask of your possible spouse. You know, do you have the sickle cell trait? Because then if you two make a baby, it's highly possible that that kid can suffer from sickle cell anemia. And so we've really, you know, been through it. We're excited. Uh, obviously, that, you know, all of our children don't suffer from it, um, but we also know how to manage it. We also understand more about it and how, obviously, how livable this situation is. And so we talked to her about it. We tried to educate her. She understands a lot more than I did until I got sick about, you know, what the decision-making process has to be in choosing, choosing a husband. And so we just moved from there. She understands about being at high altitude, overexertion, staying hydrated. And so we've been very diligent about educating them. 
Yeah, it, that's cool, Ryan. I know you mentioned there some of your work. I, I know you've always been very active in the community, always been helping out. Is that something that you've kind of passed on to your kids? Do they, do they have that volunteer spirit? Are they active in the community and stuff like that as well? Yeah, no, li listen, they absolutely are. And it's been good because they've chosen that we've chosen schools for them where community service is part of the curriculum. You know, they go to schools now where you have to have a certain amount of community service hours in order to move on to the next grade, in order to graduate. Um, and so I think that's awesome. Uh, we also, as a family, when you are blessed with a lot of things, have opportunities to help other people. And we make sure that we are giving. We make sure that we're not only visible uh, from what we do with our efforts of our time, but also monetarily. And I think that's something that our kids need to understand is that to whom much is given, much is required. And um, I think it's been cool to be a part of a family that is um, one with the heart of compassion, one with the heart of empathy. Uh, my wife is very involved in various things, and I think it helps me be more involved because sometimes you get so busy, you know, you're doing TV and you're training people and you have these other things going on that you cannot focus on some of the little things that you can do with your time. And so it's been awesome to kind of have a family effort. Yeah, that's that's great stuff, Ryan. I have I have four kids myself. My youngest is my only girl. She's only five years old. So I'm right. already dreading that down the line when she gets eligible for that dating scene. You're already there. How have it was, you kind of handled all that with your kids, especially with the girls? The girls, it was tough for me. Uh, my, my oldest, uh, the good thing about my oldest, she was kind of slow. She wasn't a like she didn't want to go to homecoming and prom early. So I didn't have to worry about dates. And then when she got to be about a junior, she got her first boyfriend. And I was like, oh, holy cow. OK, how do we deal with this? And so for me, it was about being visible. You know, you want the young man to know you. You want him to have to talk to you. You want to have a relationship with his parents. And so it becomes that as a family, we are dating you, not just you dating Jaden or you dating Logan. And um I think it helps that there's YouTube clips you can pull up of me smashing people, uh, <laughs> you know, so so it's not necessarily like they could just be like, hey, this dude is soft and I can take him. So I think that that always helps as well. But um, you try to be very open. Um, I am not one of those parents that sugarcoated. I was a college football player. I was a popular kid. Um, so I understand what it's like to be in demand and have females like you. I also understand how snotty and um, selfish that young men can be. And I explain that to my children. I want them to know that. I also do the same with my son. You know, he's in a position that I was in. I understood what it was like to be a college football player, to have some of the opportunities that you would be presented with. But I also teach him, listen, there's a certain way that you have to respect people, right? There's a respect that you have to give in order to be respected in kind. And so I'm a, I'm probably too honest with my kids. You know, my wife would probably like me to keep a little bit more of my past a secret from them. But I think there's uh, a power in transparency. There's a power in your kids knowing that you weren't perfect or you aren't perfect and that you're still working to this day. And so they can talk to me. I'm willing to have those conversations with them, those hard ones where we both might cry by the end, but we leave from it uh, better closer and smarter going forward yeah I, I couldn't agree with you more there ryan I, I found in my life the more honest i've become the more better every situation gets in my life yes. so uh, i couldn't agree with you more there and how, how is 
How has the transition been from you from the field to behind the booth doing all the TV stuff now? Yeah. Are any of your kids interested in broadcasting? Well, so um, both of my oldest are. Um, my, my oldest child is at LSU. She's actually, that's part of her major. She also has a minor in African-American studies. Uh, I think she needs to go into sports administration, but she don't listen to me. Um, my son is a, actually a sports psychology major. And, you know, one of those, the reasons he went into that was I was like, look, if you want to do TV, which I think is something he's interested in, it was one of his electives in high school. I was like, I can help you do TV. You don't have to study TV to do it in the capacity we would probably want to do it. So I told him, get some other education where if that's something you end up doing, you can add to who you are. To have a master's in psychology and be able to say, look, from a psychological perspective and athletic, this is what I see. I think that's an added piece to it. And so the transition for me was something that I started planning around year nine or 10. I understood that football wouldn't be forever. It seemed like something I would be good at. So I hit each, um, tweeted about getting an internship. Trey Wingo DMs me like, you should intern here. I go to ESPN. I interned for a week. I'm sure that's not like an official internship, um, but I got a job offer shortly after. And I was the first active football player to have a TV contract. And then from there, I went right into it when I retired. And I just worked on being more and being better every single year. Yeah, and I, I think, too, a, a big uh, goes a long way with that is to have the natural talent or the ability to do it, which you do have. So I think all the studying you can do about it. And if you don't have it, you don't have it. I and mean, that yeah. usually comes through on the screen. Thank you. Uh, and, and what is the uh, I mean, we're, we're a month into the new decade here. What, what kind of goals or plans do you have here for yourself for the future? You know what? Um, my biggest goal is to continue following passions. Um, you play football, uh, you become part of a team, you know, and everything you do is to help that team be as great as it could possibly be. And then you move right into TV. I got a training facility where I have three partners now. And you think so much about team, about team. Sometimes you get away from doing things you love. And I think you realize if you're doing stuff that you love, if you have a passion for it, you're better at it. And, you know, right now my passion is for my family. Uh, it's to speak about things that I believe affect people, that I believe draw people into becoming better. And it's to train athletes to get them to a point to where they can see that their dreams become reality. And so in that, that's the way I schedule my life. You know, it's going to be family first. Um, Flying to the West Coast constantly to be at my son's games, doing things with my daughter here at home, trying to make sure I'm at travel volleyball tournaments. And then from there, it's, you know, whether it's having different podcasts or doing different things that you love, that's what I'm trying to work on. And so that's my goal is to be consistent, uh, is to follow things that I love doing and do them the best that I possibly can. Uh, from a tangible standpoint, I would like all of my passions to meet up. You know, I like to do something where family, TV and football can all be a part of it. And, you know, those are my goals. And I feel like if you do all three of them well enough, if you do all three of them good enough. That's a possibility. Yeah. Awesome, Ryan. And uh, last thing I'm going to hit you with here. I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast. What type of advice do you have for the new father or for that about to be dad who's out there listening? Uh, my, my advice would be that you listen to people, you listen to your children, you listen to people that you respect, but you got to develop your own way of parenting, right? There's so many books. There are so many experts that will tell you, you need to parent in a certain way, but they don't have your kids. 
right? They don't know your children's hearts. They don't know their hardships. They don't know the different things they deal with individually, but you do. And you have to feel that. You have to internalize that. And then internalize it, you have to digest it and find a way to help your kids be the best they could possibly be. And I think the end of it is do it all with love. You know, if your decision making comes because you love your child so much, you want nothing but the best for them, you're going to do the best job you possibly can. And you're not going to be perfect. And when you're not perfect, don't beat yourself up. Figure out why you weren't and try to get as close as you possibly can. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Ryan Clark, you're a first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time. on first class Thank you so much, man. You have a great day. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Ryan Clark for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's podcast episode. I always love to read your feedback. Make sure you lock it in for Friday's episode. Dean Tool, the founder and CEO of Island Fights, will be joining me here. And next week, I got four bangers coming your way, including a fresh Frogman Friday edition of the show here. Find out which Navy SEAL will be joining me this time by visiting my Instagram at Alec underscore Lace. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. <laughs>